the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. It's a blessing to be here spending time with you now. Today we have my new friend Bobby, and Bobby is from Goten, an organization based here in the USA, and we'll, we'll hear more about that in a minute. But also we want to hear a little bit more about Bobby and, and his story. How is he serving as Jesus's hands and feet? So, Bobby, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. It's good to be here. Well, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, first of all. Who are you? Yeah, so uh, my name is Bobby, and I am married. I have uh, two adult kids. Uh, We live here in Phoenix. I've lived a little bit all over the place. I grew up in Texas, um, served as a youth pastor for 17 years in different churches in Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, lived overseas for a few years, and now I find myself in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. You know, what? once you've been a youth pastor, you can do anything. You know, you can That's survive right. anything. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm joking. But uh, so now uh, now you're uh, involved with an organization called Goten. And if I if I understand correctly, you, you founded it. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Goten is a nonprofit organization. We're a mission agency. We're focused on um, making disciples among least reached people. And Goten is an acronym that stands for Go to Every Nation, which comes straight from the Great Commission. Ah, Go to Every Nation. And Go to Every Nation and do what? <laughs> make disciples of Jesus Christ is re- really what we're doing. We're we're focused on least reached people. So the, the people groups in the world that have little to no access to the gospel. So um, a little bit of our history, we, we moved overseas and we worked among uh, 100% Muslim people group for five years. And while we were overseas, um, you know, this, this group of people uh, only had the book of Luke in their local language when we went there. There were no churches. And so when, when we say go to every nation, we're focused on these uh, ethnic people these language groups that have little to no access to the gospel. And so we want to, yeah, we want to, to see Jesus name lifted up and disciples made among these people who have least chance to hear about it. Well, amen. You know, and so, so how, um, you know, it, it sounds good. It looks good on paper. How do you actually do it? How, how does the rubber actually hit the road? Yeah. So um, what we're doing here in Phoenix, and this is probably the most tangible thing, um, that I could speak of today is we set up our our 
basically a training center here in Phoenix where we were going to train Western missionaries to go to the nations. Um, and the best place to do that, we wanted some real practical training. Uh, and we discovered that there were refugees that were living here in Phoenix. Um, and refugees lived in community together, especially when they first get here. Mm. So um, just to put that in perspective for you, Arizona has resettled about 90,000 refugees since 1980. Of that 90,000, about 83% of them are coming from least reached places like Afghanistan or Somalia or Iraq or Syria. And so they're right here in our neighborhood. And so what we started out doing was placing missionaries in these apartment complexes where refugees live to train them before we sent them overseas. So the way that practically works for us is that um, our, our aim was to send people overseas. But what we didn't realize was that really the nations were coming to us and that we could make a great impact with the freedom that we have here in America to be able to reach unreached refugees right here in the United States. And then they become, the refugees actually become um, partners with us and help us to reach their people in their home country. So it's a little bit different than what most organizations do, but we felt like God kind of laid this plan out in front of us and we just are obedient walking through it. So uh, it sounds like an obvious question, but uh, a necessary one nonetheless. Uh, what is a refugee? Yeah, no, that is a really good question because that word gets thrown around a lot today <clears throat> and sometimes in negative connotations. But a refugee, <clears throat> excuse me, a refugee is someone who is um, fleeing some type of persecution. Um, refugees that are here in the United States have, have come through a legal program. The federal government funds that program. So someone leaves their home country because of some credible fear of persecution. Maybe it's because of faith. Maybe it's gender. Maybe it's a social group or they're leaving some credible fear for their life. Moving to another country, oftentimes live in a refugee camp or in another country for a time until they are placed in a place like the United States. And so our federal government has a program that allows that to happen. And so these people that I'm talking about all go through a legal process to get here because you know as as we spoke a few days ago you know i'm originally from the uk i had a stopover in canada for four years and then arrived here in the in the good old us you know and and uh <clears throat> same language to a degree you know and uh it's kind of like uh, uh lots of similarities but still there's a culture shock you know you know i I arrived and uh, I drive on a different side of the road. You know, certain things are done different ways. Uh, but I arrived with the same language, you know, a little bit of money, you know, to, to, to make the, the bumps, I smooth out the bumps a bit and some friends, you know, which made it a whole lot easier. So I'm just trying to uh, get in the mind of a refugee who must, must arrive uh, in, a, in a foreign country with a different language I mean, explain to us, you know, what, what, what is their situation? You know, what, what's going through their mind when they, uh, when they arrive on the tarmac? Yeah, man, that is just, that is a, a, a packed question of what's going through their mind. And I'm not sure that I could do it justice, but I can get, try to give you an overview of, I think, of kind of what we've researched and feel like is the best way forward with them. Most of these uh, 
the, the program that they come through, the, the resettlement agencies that are partnered with the federal government that help them acclimate, begin to uh, encourage these refugees, even push them to a point of being self-sufficient within three to four months. So that means somebody's got to learn the language, somebody's got to begin paying the bills. So the refugee program helps provide some in, well, not income, but provides uh, funding for apartments and initial setup like that. But after three to four months, and it, there's this big push to be self-sufficient. And it's a good thing. They want to be self-sufficient, but there's a huge push for it. But imagine how fast it would be if you didn't know the language, you didn't know the culture. Um, if you needed to take someone to the doctor, you didn't know how that system worked. Um, you didn't have a car, so you have to figure out the public transportation system and all of this kind of thing. Um, oftentimes, the kids pick up the language so quickly. And so the kids become interpreters for the parents. Uh, a lot of the home visits that our team makes, uh, we're talking to kids and talking to parents through the kids. Um, and then that also adds this huge burden and weight on the kids because oftentimes you're talking about rents and lease agreements and bills that weren't paid or setting stuff that kids don't know anything about. They're just repeating these the, the words for us. But it is it is quite heavy. And as they come in, we've determined um, that English is is like the first key. It's the thing that they want the most because it helps them become more self-sustainable. It helps them get better jobs. It helps them be able to talk to the doctor. It helps them to understand, to ask for what they're asking for at the grocery store. So English is so important. And so um, again, we're moving people into those communities. Our staff live in those same communities where refugees live. And then we will rent a two-bedroom apartment and we, we, we rent this two-bedroom apartment, we turn it into a classroom. So each one of the bedrooms is a classroom. Um, and then we invite the church, you know, the community into uh, this space alongside us. So we use a computer to teach English and we use a volunteer to sit next to a refugee while they're learning it. And so our goal really is to create a relationship between the two. Yes, we wanna help them with English. We want them to take those next steps, but ultimately, what will really be the key to a refugee's success is developing an American friend. Mm. And not too long ago, I, I was sitting in a conference and there was this man from Iraq who came over as a refugee maybe uh, 15 years ago and went through this whole process. He now works for the city of Phoenix. And so he speaks to other refugee groups and he was sharing with us. And, and uh, I've heard him say it multiple times. He, he starts out his little speech with, Refugees need our services, like job skills, English, but what they really want is an American friend. Mm. And, I've, and you know, this is coming from a refugee. What he really wanted was an American friend. And so I started to think about that even more and go, what if it wasn't just an American friend? What if it was a Christian friend? So that takes it to a whole new level. Like as, as we as followers of Jesus can speak truth and life into someone. Um, so it's not just about living the American dream but it's about redemption and it's about healing from past traumas that they felt in, in running from whoever they were running from and starting over and starting new. And there's a, a lot of that journey that we can walk alongside them in that is just commonplace for us. Uh, we know how to register kids for school. If you've had kids, you know how to do it. They don't know how to do it. So go along with them. Mm -hmm. um, this coming up next weekend is a Super Bowl. I've got friends that have never seen the Super Bowl before. <laughs> and that's not a very Christian thing, I guess, to do, but it's just life. 
and people get together and do it. So why not gather with some of my Christian friends and some of my refugee friends and explain football to them and see what other conversations come up during that time. That's great. And while you're at it, you can explain it to me as well. So <laughs> well, you're listening to the kingdom and its stories. My name is Julian Gim. Today we're blessed to have Bobby, Bobby Cox. And Bobby is from Goten. And what is Goten? You may be asking, uh, as he's explained, it's about go to every nation, go to every nation and tell them about Jesus Christ. Well, what about him? The fact is that he is their creator and he loves them that he wants to take care of them and he wants to guide them. He wants them to, to follow him, to be his, uh, his disciples so that they may go through this world, not just surviving, but thriving, thriving in a way which is service to other people. And so Bobby was explaining, if you've just tuned in, where have you been? But if Bobby, if you have just tuned in, Bobby was explaining that in Phoenix alone, it's a, it's a hub for refugees, refugees who um, uh, the government, the federal government have, uh, have approved who are fleeing persecution from their home country. And that uh, in uh, the last couple of decades, I believe, 100,000 refugees have come here into Phoenix and uh, a large majority of those are from places which are uh, untouched by the Christian message. So, Bobby, tell us more. You are uh, explaining how refugees, they arrive in, uh, in Phoenix and uh, that you uh, rent a two-bedroom apartment, one bedroom for them to live in. And uh, the other is a, a classroom, uh, a place where they can uh, learn the English language so that they can communicate, so that they inter- can integrate with uh with their new country and so so tell us um you know first of all that that's clearly essential being able to effectively communicate on on a trivial matter you know my wife is american and i'm a brit and even after you know 18 years we still sort of miscommunicate in a few words Mm. so being able to arrive in a country with a completely different language you know it's clearly essential that they uh, can effectively communicate but I'm also looking on your website, which, uh, by the way, what is your web address? Our web address is uh, goten.org, G-O-T-E-N dot O-R-G. There we go. So um, go, everyone, go have a look on there. See how uh, what they're up to and see how perhaps God is calling you to pray or to help them. But anyway, back to you, Bobby. So, so they have uh, English uh, language teaching skills. Um, what else? What else do you guys, how else do you? friend these people yeah so actually that is the the purpose of the language center is refugees are coming so that they can learn english but they also want this american friend uh and so our classes are set up so that you don't have to be a great english teacher to teach english Um, we just want volunteers to sit next to refugees during class because it's in that class that the relationship begins it is a meeting place for the average ordinary Joe Christian to meet a Muslim. In many cases, most of our volunteers had never met a Muslim or never met a refugee before in their life. And so it is that meeting place um, where then the the friendship begins to grow and develop even outside the class. And that's another thing is we don't don't like have Bible studies in our English classes. That's not the way that we do that. Uh, We try to lower the barriers as much as possible so that people will continue to come to classes. But once we get into their homes and connect with them, that's where you really learn their stories and you have the opportunity to speak truth into their life. Uh, Not too long ago, I had a friend who um, 
when, when they came to the United States, their son was 18 years old. So he missed high school, but, and couldn't go to college. He was just kind of this in between and he really got stuck and, and just kind of started running with the wrong crowd and connected with some really bad people um, and just lost all the values of the home. And, and he was really, that family was really struggling and they began to share with me about their struggle and what could they do? They're looking for solutions. Well, as he's sharing his story, I actually shared my own story of my own son doing something very similar to that at that age. And so I could identify with their pain. And so that's really more what they wanted was someone just to identify with their pain. And so I was able to just share that I've walked through this. And by God's grace, my son came back to faith. He came back to values and um, he actually works for our organization now. He's our area director for uh, our Texas uh, location. And so praise God for that, right? And so I had a story to tell them that ended in a very positive, victorious way. But the way that that happened was that Jesus intersected his life. It wasn't me. It wasn't a program I put him into, but it was the way that Jesus intersected my son's life. And I said, that can be true for your son too. And then I just shared the story from Luke 15 of the prodigal son mm. and, and the way that the, the father accepts the son back. And so there's just these stories that happen all the time. It's a way of speaking truth into someone's life and introducing them to this transformational power that Jesus has and allow that to sit with them and allow them to fall in love with Jesus works so much better than me providing invitations to my church or to my Bible study, but I'm allowing that transformation to be, to be seen in their life. Does that make sense? So in a nutshell, show them Jesus. Yeah. And then speak of it, you know, because God's word is powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces through bones, bone and marrow. It does. It's, it's living and active. It doesn't return void. So speak God's word to him. So my story, my testimony, like I lived it, right? I'm in his house. I'm, I'm, I'm in a place of friendship where he would be vulnerable with me and share things. But I've also am able to share my own powerful story of transformation in my own life that reveals God's power. But then I follow that up with God's story, like his truth sp- spoken into their life and allow God's word to begin to do things uh, in his heart that are far beyond what I could do. And so, so give me some more stories, you know, so, so people have arrived, um, you know, and they, they, you know, I think you said before, they're more on survival mode, you know, it's kind of just like, we've, we've just come out of this horrendous situation in our home country. We're now here, we're nobodies with nothing. Uh, and so they're in a, a survival mode. So, so tell us some stories about how, uh, you, um, your, your other Christian volunteers, have uh, positively affected other people's lives. Yeah, not too long ago, um, one of my friends, uh, I connected with him and had been to his house and helped him. Um, and then he had called me late at night and just said, hey, um, there's lots of things that are, that are broken. You need, I need some help. And this was, you know, 8.30 or so at night. And so my wife and I like head over to their place and we're just, and he is broken. He's sobbing. He's upset. He's, and so there were some things that happened in his childhood that with the stress of just the transition, the language, the culture, the new job, the, 
the, the quickness of all that that took place. And now he's here in America, brought back some of those, those childhood trauma, the stress. And he was just like, you know, I don't know, coming apart. And as I sat with him, I just, in the beginning, I didn't even know what words to say because I hadn't experienced the stuff that he had experienced. But I, all I knew was I could sit there with him initially. And he kept asking me, I kept saying, God loves you. God cares about you. He's brought you to here. And then he would ask me, well, where was God when this happened? Or where was God when this happened? And I didn't have an answer for that. And I, so I think that's, that's okay for our listeners. Like it, it's not about knowing all the answers, but it's about being and sitting with. And so I sat there for a while with him going, you know, I don't know where he was, but I'm here now. So I'm evidence that, that God loves you because he's wanting to love you through me tonight. So I'm here with you. And as I sat there longer, I started thinking about the Joseph story. And, and I began to tell him the story of Joseph when he was betrayed by his family and betrayed by Potiphar's wife, betrayed by the, his, his cellmates who forgot about him. And, but ultimately took him to a place that God had taken Joseph to a place where he didn't just save him, but he put him in a position to not just save himself, but to save all of Egypt for the salvation of many. And so as I shared that story, this guy stops crying. He's listening intently to me. He's listening to the story. And, and I, I conclude it with, hey, this is, uh, this is a, what does God want to do with you? Like, who, who is he going to impact through you? So I completely changed the trajectory by just speaking some truth into him. And and so how so those those listening, uh, how can they get involved? You know, I mean, Bobby, you've you've traveled around the world, you've had experiences, um, you know, you, you've you've gone through certain hurdles, but you know, perhaps people like me, um, you know, it's kind of like, well, that that's that's for the superheroes, that's for Bobby, you know, with his uh, his cape, you know, spiritual <laughs> superheroes, but but you know that, that that that's not something I can I can do. What what would you say to them? And how can they help you? Yeah, I would say, number one, if there's 80,000 refugees here who've now had kids and families, there's no way I can do it myself. The church is here. It has to be the work of the church. And so what we look at is how do we bring the church along? We have a discovery day once a month that we invite people in where we help you better understand what is a refugee? Where are they coming from? What are they dealing with? How can you meet someone and then how can you serve someone? So dealing with both the head, heart and hands all in one day to kind of give you uh, the opportunity to get to know someone and get involved. And if you want to know more about our discovery days or find out when they are, it's go10.org slash discovery dash day right there. Just click on the start now button on our website at go10.org and you can get involved in our next discovery day. Because yeah, that just just I know for myself, it's just starting small. You know, it's like Julian, just just start. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, I've got to I've got to save the world before the weekend. You know, I've got to start up. <laughs> you know, and a, ma- a big organization is like, no, 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 just pray and start. And so that website yeah. once again, was it go ten dot com go ten go ten dot org dot org org slash discovery day. Yeah, right. that's wonderful. And so we got like uh, one minute left. And uh, I just, I just want to hear uh, how this has changed you as a person, Bobby, you know, um, 
So what these interactions that you've had, this, I'll put, I'll I'll say it, an element of self-sacrifice on your part. You know, you could have a a job where you clock in at nine and you clock out at five and you go and play golf, which is good. Golf golf is good. But uh, how has this changed you, this role that you are taking part in? Well, I think it's very fulfilling. And um, I think we just, I found over the years that the metrics that I use to determine whether or not I'm successful is really, am I obedient to what God's asked me to do? And I feel like it's just so obvious that God's bringing the nations to us. So my goal would be to help you feel that same kind of fulfillment and walk alongside it to see that you can do it. So why, to me, I don't think of it as a sacrifice. I think of it as, um, I'm living the dream. I think there's a lot of people that would love to have my job. And so um, I'm, I'm happy to, to do what I do. Cause I mean, there is this looking at you, there's this joy in your eyes, you know, and this, this stepping out and being obedient to God. Well, it's scary. You know, it's mm. no, 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 no. I want to have control. You know, mm. I want to, I want to help, but I you know I want to do it in small ways that I can sort of control. And yet it seems you just like, you know, flown the floodgates open and uh you know that uh you, you've gone in head first as it were but uh there's this joy and this certain a certain confidence i can i can see in your eyes and so so maybe there is something that i that you can do as well you've been listening to the kingdom and its stories whoever you are wherever you are uh you've been called by jesus christ to love your neighbor as yourself something you can't do by yourself you need jesus christ to enable you and guide you but start go out and uh, uh you can join with bobby wherever you are you can be praying for bobby and for the go 10 organization but thank you all for uh listening and until next time may god bless you and direct and guide your steps jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me next monday at 5 30 p.m Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.